This afternoon we continue our series through the Belgic Confession, Article 1, about the nature of God. Let's confess this uh, article together. We believe in the heart and confess with the mouth that there is a unique and simple spiritual being who we call God, eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, and infinite, who is wise and the overflowing source of all good things. Let's pray. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, uh, for your nature, uh, which you've revealed to us in your attributes. And uh, this afternoon, uh, we wish to study rightly uh, your attribute of justice. Help us, Father, as we um, worship you uh, through this uh, sermon, that we would hear your word rightly, we would hear it rightly preached, and also help us to hear your gospel convicting us of sin and the gospel convicting us of eternal life in Christ alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The scripture lesson comes from Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. And you can find that on page four, or, sorry, page 941 of your Pew Bibles. Once again, we hear God's word from Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. Hear God's word. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He has passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. He will justify the uh, circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law of this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The word of God so far. Congregation of Christ and friends, this afternoon we focus on the attribute of God's justice or righteousness. They're one and the same. Now, many today as we consider uh, God's attributes, many today uh, tend to focus on some of God's attributes. That is, people will typically focus upon God's omnipotence, that God is all-powerful. They'll uh, focus on His omnipresence, that God is everywhere uh, present. They'll focus on God's wisdom, His goodness, His love. But often you'll understand uh, such a a focus to have a selfish intent. That is, if God is good, 
uh, people reason, he will be good to me. And with this um, idea goes that people are basically good. So really, uh, people see God as this cosmic Santa Claus, that he loves to give uh, gifts to people, and all you have to do is name it and claim it. And to even raise the issue that God does indeed have other attributes, such as justice, wrath, or even mercy, is to receive looks of scorn. So for instance, why would God have to be merciful to people who really don't have a sin problem? If people are seen as basically good, and God um, is good also, loving to give good gifts to people, I mean, why do you have to talk to them about really any problem other than uh, they're not having enough faith to believe that God is good to give them good things? There's a video uh, floating right now, floating around right now on YouTube, uh, showing this itinerant preacher preaching outside of one of the largest churches in America. What's ironic is, uh, the guy inside is preaching falsehood. The guy outside, at least, as far as we can tell, is preaching the truth. He's telling these tens of thousands of people that are going into this church that they need to repent, that they need to hear the law, that they need to hear the gospel and believe in the gospel. But all of these tens of thousands of people are streaming past this guy and going to the guy on the inside who doesn't mention sin or the law, or really even the gospel. And so here you have a false preacher misrepresenting God, ignoring the fullness of his nature, which includes justice. People must hear that God is just and will punish sinners. The Old and the New Testament words for justice can also be translated righteousness. We can use these English words synonymously for the biblical word. The righteousness of God is very closely connected with the holiness of God. The holiness of God, of course, refers to the purity and the perfection of God. God is without any sin, without any evil. The righteousness of God is the holiness of God in action. That is, you can understand the holiness of God by the way in which he acts in creation in providence, and in redemption. So God has ordered the world according to his perfect will. Hence the creation has an inherent order and structure and operates according to God's plan. This is how one person defines the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is the order or nature of the divine mind and will by which God immutably and ineffably wills and approves himself does and affects in others such things as he has laid down in his law, and all the things that variance with this order he neither wills nor approves, nor works nor affects nor helps, but hates and detests. One more time. The righteousness of God is the order or nature of the divine mind and will, by which God immutably and ineffably wills and approves, himself does and affects in others, such things as he has laid down in his law. And all the things that variance with this order, he neither wills, nor approves, nor works, nor affects, nor helps, but hates and detests. That means that God always acts consistently in this world according to his perfect plan and will in creation, providence, and redemption. 
So in terms of God's relationship to people, he will reward the righteous and punish the wicked. God is the king after all, and all people are by necessity his servants, his subjects. And so all people are judged, and this is the focus of the righteousness of God. All people are judged according to whether they are righteous or unrighteous. Because all people have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, as Paul says, no one can offer unstained works to God that God will accept as righteous. Therefore, in God's mercy, he has conferred grace upon his people through Jesus Christ as it is received through faith alone. Christ's work, then, is given to you as a substitution by which you are approved in God's eyes. So that's why we talk about justification so much, and that is one of the heavy themes here in this passage. God maintains his own justice by justifying others. Of course, Christ is the one who becomes the innocent victor in the process. So the justification of God and his people is the subject of Paul's words here in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 and following. So notice how Paul begins this passage. He says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Remember, the righteousness of God, or the justice of God, is his action to maintain his holiness in the world of unrighteous creatures. This involves his action of crucifying his son in your place, which satisfies his justice and justifies his people. Now, this manifestation of God's righteousness, Paul says, is done apart from the law. What Paul means here, almost every time Paul uses this word law in his letters, he's referring to the covenant of Moses. That is, the covenant uh, God made with his people Israel through Moses, setting down these laws. And in these laws, which is uh, reflective of God's righteousness, he says, look, if you're going to be in a relationship with me, people, you have to obey me. If you obey me, then you are rewarded. If you disobey me, that is, disobey my law, then you will be punished. And so when Paul does this here, especially in the context of this passage, he's saying, remember what happened with Israel. Um, They didn't do so well. In fact, they broke God's law all the time, and their whole history is a massive model or typology of the problem with men and women and kids. That is, that all people sin. Israel's no different than you. They're not lesser people than you. They're just like you. They sin all the time. That is Paul's point here. So this brings us back to our contemporary situation. People will read their Bibles, misrepresenting them, or rather misinterpreting them, to hear God as this cosmic uh, Santa Claus. That is, he's jolly and good and loves to give people good stuff. All they have to have is the faith to believe it. And that is the uh, central message of this person to whom we referred at the beginning of the sermon in this huge megachurch. God is good. You are too, basically. All you need to do is name it and claim it. The only thing wrong with you, this false preacher says, is lack of faith. So if you have the faith, you can have all these goodies from God. And so people will gather to themselves preachers who tell them the same thing. 
In both cases, people also choose to understand that God really sees all people as the same, basically good. That is, people think they deserve to have health and wealth. And isn't that the dominant assumption? Not just out there, though, it's with you too. So, let me ask you, what happens every time you get sick? Say, really sick. Or you're fighting a disease. Or you're having financial problems. Or you find yourself on the bottom of the rung uh, in the social economic scheme. It goes without exception. You say, what is wrong? Something's not right. You even hear this word coming out of your mouth, it's not fair. Unfair. The assumption is that you deserve to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You deserve to be in a higher rung. You deserve all these things that this person in this false church is saying you deserve. This is why there's great appeal to this false message. And why tens and thousands of people listen to this, which is also to deny, of course, the justice of God which says, no, you live in a fallen world, and all of you, without exception, because God is just, will be affected by the fall. So the entire Bible, beginning in Genesis, proclaims to the world that all people, without exception, are sinful to the core. Out of this arises all these problems. They are born in sin and continue to sin until the day they die. Because of that sin, God has revealed His wrath to the world. That is also an attribute very uh, closely associated with God's justice. God is just. People are sinful. God is then a God of what? Of wrath. Paul, earlier in the uh, epistle of Romans, says this. Romans uh, 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What truth? The truth that God makes demands. The demand to follow God's righteous law, which issues forth from His perfectly righteous nature. People don't make demands upon God to say, I deserve to be in this higher rung, or I deserve to be perfectly healthy. That is the dominant message today in many of these churches. You do not have a right to make a demand upon God. God makes demands upon you. God does not owe you one thing. So you see, what people fail to notice in the scriptures is that God is righteous. He is perfectly holy. Oh yes, He is all-powerful. He is everywhere present. He is all-wise. He is all-good and merciful. But that is only understood in a general sense in the creation, and specifically in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul in Romans chapter 1, now verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, that is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul is saying to his contemporaries, who are just like folks today, to really understand the righteousness of God, you must believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in which is salvation. In this gospel, Paul says, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith 
which is to say a person is saved by the imputation of Christ's righteousness. This righteousness which is revealed is imputed righteousness. That God imputes the righteousness of Christ to those who have faith in Him. But the path to true faith begins with believing that the law of God condemns you. Remember that God gave the law as a measuring stick, as it were, so that people would believe they are sinful. Once a person comes to grips with this, they say with Paul that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or the holiness or the righteousness of God. That is His holiness in action. Now in this case, the truth doesn't hurt, it helps. Really, to tell people only that God is good and that people are too and that God merely wants to give you good things is to damn people. It may sound great. It may feel great to hear that message. But it is a damning message because it is not true. And so that's exactly interesting. This is what this itinerant preacher is saying outside of the church that we mentioned. He's saying that you need to hear God's law. You need to hear that God is just. And He will not free the unjust. The people are justified by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So people need to hear that God is good. This is true. But they also need to hear that God is righteous and will punish people in hell for eternity. God's wrath or anger is a necessary consequence of ignoring the full nature of God, as Paul says in Romans chapter 1. So no, um, God doesn't wear a Santa Claus suit. God wears a robe a robe in which he is a judge. But of course, uh, that doesn't mean, as people make him out to be, that he's mean or a tyrant or a despot. No, God is gracious. He is merciful because he crucified his son on your behalf. That is the kind of judge that you serve. So Paul in Romans 3 goes on to say that the issue at hand for people is the satisfaction of God's righteousness or justice which in his mercy means the justification of those who have faith in Christ. Paul says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. One of the key words here is the word propitiation. Uh, The word means basically, to oversimplify, turning away God's wrath. Propitiation means, kids, remember this, the turning away of God's wrath. And this only happens as God pours out his wrath on Jesus as a substitutionary sacrifice in your place. In other words, God doesn't turn a blind eye saying, I'm going to save some people, just let them into heaven, because I'm nice. No, he has to satisfy his own justice. This is Paul's point. You should suffer God's wrath because of your sin of breaking God's law. But in God's mercy, he is pleased to accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross instead, and in addition, he credits you with Christ's righteousness. And so, Paul's picking up here in the context 
the context of the Old Testament sacrificial system. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were forgiven their sins as animals were sacrificed, and their blood was applied to the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. So you recall from our Hebrew sermons, and we'll get into this much more, that the tabernacle and the temple had the same design. And in the center of both of those places was the Holy of Holies. Inside that place was the Ark of the Covenant. On top of the Ark is called the Mercy Seat. And at that seat, uh, blood is applied. God dwells above that seat. And he is satisfied or propitiated as the blood of sacrifices is applied to the seat. That is, he's propitiated towards the people on whose half that blood is offered. Now in that situation, Paul says, God demonstrated his forbearance by passing over former sins. Now what he means by that is that Israel was only temporarily forgiven in that sacrificial system. They had to keep doing the same sacrifices year after year. Now he mentions that here because Jesus comes along as the supreme sacrifice, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world forever. So those who have faith in him know that their sins, or rather God's wrath, is propitiated, is satisfied by that blood. So now, even those in Israel who had true faith are forgiven their sins forever uh, because they had faith in Jesus Christ. So this means, as Paul goes on to say, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. In Christ's sacrifice, God maintains his justice because he must punish sinners and at the same time, he justifies his people. And that, brothers and sisters, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, the gospel involves blood and guts because of sin. It is Christ here who suffers eternally at the cross for you and others who would trust in Jesus. That is the truth of God's righteousness in Christ for wretched sinners, not for those who think that God is merely good as a cosmic Santa Claus and people are good themselves. So in conclusion, people need to hear the full counsel of God, which includes His righteousness. God is just. God's righteousness means wrath for sinners. God's wrath is terrible. It inspires dread. It brings pain and hell, punishment and destruction. Despite what people think or believe now, the final day is a day of wrath for those who do not approach God rightly in Christ. That is indeed the bad news. But for those who are willing to humble themselves confessing their sin, they are indeed able to flee to Jesus Christ and find the good news of the gospel and eternal life in the righteous God. So the good news is that God is righteous. He is just. And that means that He punished Jesus in your place. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.